All right, we've been spending this week talking about how to build up the good, and now we're moving to confronting the sin and the evil in our lives to make sure that uh, we're living righteously, letting the kingdom of God happen wherever we go. That's the topic of the day and the week on Amen Brother Ben, the podcast that keeps you focused on God and acting like Jesus. Today, I want to talk about how we can rescue those wayward sons and daughters. Let's go get them. Actually, that's not a good, the lyrics don't mix what I'm trying to say there, but that's always what I hear. When I think of the word wayward, think about that song. Think about good music back when, back when music was good. And, um, well, there's something about that wandering person that's, that's gotten off the path and the world has made it seem and they've romanticized the wayward son the prodigal son, right? Um, they love to talk about it and it's, it's, it's a, makes it for a compelling TV show or movie, but it can also, um, have a lot of uncool and uncomfortable consequences when someone just doesn't just waver, but fully gets off the path, embraces sinful things, embraces evil things. And that's tough when it's someone you love, right? And, it's one thing to have them believe certain things. Again, we, we spent eight weeks talking about different ways to, to not to, to believe wrongly about Jesus, but to have someone walk in those paths with the consequences that, that go with it. It's tough. It's heartbreaking for those of you that have compassion for other people. Now, if you don't care about other people, which is what most of us kind of relegate ourselves to, that we don't let our we don't put ourselves out there. We don't make ourselves. Here's the thing about making yourself vulnerable. When you're vulnerable, you have you leave people a chance to hurt you, and it's uncomfortable. I mean, I the other day I just randomly was I don't say overwhelmed, but I just had a rush of sadness over someone in my life that has gone wayward, that I spent years investing in and being being in a close friendship with. Uh, they were close to my family and now we never see them and they, they've believed lies and they've, it's just, it's heartbreaking. And in our selfishness, we like to say, well, I'm not doing that again. I'm not going to be that person that gets stomped on and gets heartbroken. Right. And so we let that affect the rest of our relationships. We, we pull our punches with other people. We build up walls in our life because we think that that's the response to evil. That's the response to sinfulness in our lives. But the thing about the call about Christianity is the opposite of that, that we actually are volunteering for some of that heartache. We're actually volunteering for some of that, that hurt because it's what Jesus did for us. Jesus put himself on the line for us and our sinfulness. And he, he experienced the brute force and weight of our sinfulness. And so sometimes it would make sense that we would have to do the same for other people. If we're going to be uh, the the brothers and sisters, the the parents, the children, the friends, the coworkers, uh, the spouses of people that we are supposed to and be called to by Jesus. So one of the things that 
the Bible tells us to do is to rescue the wayward. Um, if you go back to, uh, we, we looked in the book of Jude, um, and let me just read to you the six verses we went over on Sunday. It says, uh, you must remember that the, uh, what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times, there would be scoffers whose purpose is to in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. But these people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their unnatural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. And then it goes on to say, it says, but you must build each other up. Even though these things are happening, even though people suck, right? That's not what it says, but that's what it says, right? Even though people suck, uh, you must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, meaning just what I said the other day, you got to leave the outcome and the heavy lifting to God and just do your part and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So that means knowing that, yes, this may hurt now, but Jesus is going to make it all right later. It says, in this way, you'll keep yourself safe in God's love. Verse 22 says, but you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. We talked about that yesterday. It says in verse 23, though, it says, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment, show mercy still to others, but do so with great caution, hating the sin that contaminates their lives. So when we go to be there for someone, we, we usually get it wrong in, in two particular opposite manners. Either we are so holy and so righteous and, and we, we look down our nose and we refuse to get in the muck and the mire. We don't even associate with, with people at all that sin like that, right? And we keep ourselves in this holy bubble. And the problem with that is that's very unloving. But then we, we get it wrong the other way where we let their sins infect and, and infiltrate us, which is not what God wants either. That's why Jude was saying, hey, be careful not that you got to you got to hate their sin so much that you you do not let their sin rub off on you, yet you pull them out of the depths of that sin, right? I, it reminds me of, it, the movie wasn't that great overall, but the, the, the first Spider-Man 3, right? There was the original trilogy, Tobey Maguire, and one of the last scenes, I would say spoiler alert, but that movie is over a decade, if not more older, uh, but... There's there was a, a symbiote. It's very like a black sludge. It was Venom. We got the name of the if you're familiar with comics, his name was Venom, and he had one of the other people in there. And one of the things that Spider-Man was trying to do was pull the human being out of this out of this alien sludge, um, and pull him out without getting sucked in himself. And that's what we have to do. That's the picture I get when we go to confront sin. That. Um, we, we make sure that we are pulling them out of that without getting sucked into it. We are supposed to do that. Some people, if they get to a certain point, you just write them off. Now, I will say this. There are different reactions to, to people's uh, not th their outright sin and their, um, their waywardness, I guess. Um, sometimes the rescue may be putting them at arm's length, right? Like there's some people, there's some people in my life that I have done and said all I can do for them. I have tried, I've given, I've given second and third and 400th chances. And I just keep them at arm's length because I've, there's no other way thing for me to do, but pray for them. Right. That's all I have left. Not that that's a last ditch. I've always prayed for them, but, um, so there are certain times in your life that you're going to have to keep people at a distance, but that doesn't mean you're hateful about it. 
That doesn't mean you talk bad and you gossip about them. And if they're on the side of the road broken down, you you laugh at them and shoot them the bird and keep going. That's not loving, right? But when you're rescuing, re- rescuing, when you're rescuing the wayward, it really depends on the type of relationship you had, which is why up top of the of the week worth of shows that we talked about intentional relationships, because your reaction, your ability to rescue someone is going to depend and vary depending on your relationship. So, for instance, I have a lot more pull and sway and I have a lot more cards to play in my own family. If I'm fighting my kids sin, right, I have a lot more things I can do to discourage their sinfulness and build up their righteousness than somebody I work with, for instance, right? Um, so you can't, you, can't, you can't intervene the same way with someone you just met that you barely know that you happen to work with or be neighbors with, et cetera, et cetera, versus someone that you're a fan, you know, you've had a long family history with, or, you know, your close friends or your church family with that you've known for a long time. Rescue looks different to different people. And that's where you have to trust the Holy Spirit. Look, I know that God doesn't normally speak to you in a burning bush or, you know, things like that that he did in, in the Bible. But the Holy Spirit of God was given to communicate to us. And there's ways that we can get this wrong, but we can hear the voice of God through the Holy Spirit. Again, it doesn't sound like Morgan Freeman. It sounds like a thought in your head, a feeling in your gut. When you are prayed up, when you have gotten, you know, repented of the active sin that's happening in your life, and you've honestly said, Lord, I want to know what, what you want to tell me, right? What do I do here? And the Holy Spirit nudges you and guides you in different directions. It's an, it is an active personality that's interacting with you. And so in order to rescue someone, we've got to have that Holy Spirit telling us what we need to do in each various situation. Because what may work for one person may not work for another. But again, you have to trust the heavy lifting to God. You have to just do your best to be obedient. Uh, Galatians 6.1 says, if, a, if another believer is overcome by sin, that's wayward to me. Again, not that, whoops, you saw him sin once, so you've got to have an intervention because they said one dirty word or they missed church one Sunday or something like that. But no, when another believer is clearly overcome by sin, you who are godly, meaning you make sure that you are acting overall in a godly way and you're not just entertaining your own sinfulness because that skews your judgment and silences the Holy Spirit, should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Again, don't get sucked in, but gently and humbly bring them back, whether that be uh, through kind words or stern words, but said with love, whether that be putting distance between yourself or inserting yourself in their life and, you know, asking hard questions and being there for them when nobody else is, um, there's different ways to do it, but your heart needs to be for rescue. And you always need to be willing to trust the spirit of God over your own intellect, over your own thought processes, uh, because God knows the big picture. He knows them better than you do. Uh, and it's really up to his power anyway. So rescue those who have gone wayward, snatch them back from the flames. That's the goal. That's the call. Don't just sit back. Let the world go to hell around you. 
Yes, God is in control. Yes, God works all things for his good. But he has also decreed that we as Christians get involved and we show love to other people by intervening and putting ourselves in sticky, uncomfortable situations for the sake of their good and for the sake of their relationship with God. You do that, it's just a powerful gesture in and of itself.